Well, this is going to be one of those sermons where I would say it's worth taking a lot of notes on. Okay, so if you're a, not a note taker, I would take notes because I feel like, especially if you're traveling this week, this is going to give you plenty of stuff to talk about, okay? Um, because we're, we're going to talk about gratitude, and we're going to talk about the lost art of gratitude. Because this is, this is Thanksgiving week. This is our week to, to be thankful. And, you know, if you don't know anything about Thanksgiving, it started as a small community thing to do, and then it turned into a colonial thing to do, and then it turned into a national thing to do. And so, it was, you know, it's just something that a lot of people celebrate now. And, and this is our time. To, you know, we'll say what we're thankful for, and we'll go around, and we'll do that, and we'll all share something. You know, some of us will, and, and others of us will just say, ditto, you know, but, but, but feeling thankful, th- feeling thankful is a, a universal feeling, right? I mean, it's really not a religious thing. It's not a Christian thing. It's just a thing thing. It's a world thing. For some people, it's thank goodness. For other people, it's thank God, but I mean, we're all, we're all thankful for something, and we all love to be thanked. We all love to be, to be told how grateful people are, right? Especially for us, especially when we, we do something for them. But, but here's the thing, is we, we sometimes have a, uh, a bad habit of not thanking people as often as we should, or as much as we should, or in the way that we should. I mean, we all have a really bad time communicating, period, but especially when it comes to sharing and communicating how grateful we are for one another, we kind of stink at it. We're kind of bad. And a lot of times, what gets communicated more often than not is this word, is ingratitude. And ingratitude, what it means is it means a, 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 you know, a lack of gratitude. A lot of times, people don't feel appreciated, right? I mean, have you ever felt like somebody was kind of you know, taking you for granted? You ever felt like you should have been appreciated, but you, you weren't appreciated? And ingratitude, what ingratitude communicates to people when we don't show that we're grateful for people, what ingratitude communicates is, is, is I don't see you. I didn't see what you did for me. Or, or I, don't, I don't really need you. You know, I could have I done that without you is sometimes what ingratitude communicates to us. Or ingratitude, what it also communicates to us is, well, why would I thank you? You were just doing what you were supposed to. Honey, I took out the trash. Yeah, and? I mean, you know, what, what, you did what you were supposed to do. Sorry, am I, am I, supposed, to, am I supposed to thank you for that? Uh, you know, we, we, a lot of times when we express ingratitude or don't express gratitude, this is how we make people feel. And there's, there are not many things that are more hurtful than, than feeling you know, ingratitude. And, and sometimes, you know, when we feel like we're, we're not appreciated, like we're being taken advantage of, when we feel like people aren't thankful for us or they don't notice what we do for them, you know, what, what's even worse is it's hard to feel it, it's hard to experience it, but it's even more awkward to bring it up, right? Have you ever brought it up to somebody? Have you ever said to somebody like, hey, um, you know, I just, I just wish you would say thank you every now and then. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't feel very appreciated. I don't feel like you notice what I do around here. I don't, I don't think you notice how hard I'm working. I feel like you're kind of taking me for granted, is what we say. And, and sometimes, it's really awkward to bring it up. But when we do bring it up, you know, typically everybody, I mean, they go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. But when they go, I'm, I'm sorry, what we really hear is, well, I'm so sorry, little baby who needs constant reassurance and affirmation. I didn't, need, I didn't know I needed to pet your, your ego every time you did something good around here. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll be more, be more kind to you, right? Ingratitude is, 
is really hard. When we go through that, man, it's really tough. Now, sometimes that's like, you know, what we feel. Sometimes it's a, it's a nonverbal thing, but sometimes it's even a verbal thing. Sometimes people verbally just make us, you know, they communicate ingratitude to us. Sometimes we'll do something for somebody, and they'll say this. They'll say, well, you did good, but you didn't, you know, fill in the blank. You did okay, but you didn't do it as good as you should have done. Next time, do better. Next time, do this. And it just, it makes you feel underappreciated, doesn't it? Or sometimes they'll say, better late than never, or it's about time. And you just, you don't feel, you feel like you're taking, being taken advantage of. You feel like they're not grateful for you. And any time that ingratitude is expressed, what happens is, is there is a gap. There's a huge gap. There's a gap between spouses. There's a gap between you and your boss. There's a, a gap between you and your coworkers. There's a gap between you and your kids. Because everybody knows this, right? Ingratitude, ingratitude, it looms. It looms so large when you're the victim, but a lot of times it's invisible to the perpetrator, right? I mean, when you feel like you're underappreciated, when you feel like you're undervalued, when you feel like people don't see you, when ingratitude is communicated to you, you just, it just, it, it's, it's like it's, it's sticking out in the room. They're like, does nobody see what I'm doing around here? Does nobody see how hard I'm working for this family? Does nobody see my value? Meanwhile, the other person, is, it's, it's, it's invisible to them. They're going, man, I'm, everything is going really well. Of course, everyone knows how much I love them, and everybody knows how grateful I am for them. Everybody knows, you know, that how much I appreciate them. And, and why do you think that is the perpetrator? Because it's in your heart, because it's in your head, because it's in your thoughts. And that's even what you say, right? If somebody accuses you of, you know, ingratitude, they go, you know, you don't appreciate me. You don't thank me. You don't value me. They go, they, you, you go, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? You don't know how I feel, right? That's what's happening, is they are accusing you of, of not feeling something. And you go, you don't know what I think. You don't know what I feel. But that's the problem right there. You nailed it. Nobody knows how you feel. Nobody knows what you're thinking. It's very important that, that, that we stop and recognize that when you feel something, when you think something, it, it just it stays with you. It's not communicated to anybody else. When you, don't, when you don't express how you feel about someone, they are left alone with just how they feel. And if they don't feel valued, if they don't feel appreciated, well, then, then that's what they're left to feel with. And, and I get it. A lot of us, we go, well, you don't know how I feel. I, I do. I feel grateful for you. I know I haven't said it, but I, I do. I think it. I, I, I shared it. Sometimes we even say that. We say, I, 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 share. I was just telling somebody the other day how thankful I was for you. Or, you know, we go to social media. I was, just, I was on social media just the other day. I was just posting for how thankful I was for you. And, you know, here's the thing. When we, when we tell other people how appreciative we are of somebody else, here's the thing. That person who heard it, heard it, but again, the person who feels ingratitude didn't hear it and doesn't know it. And social media, come on, can we be honest for a minute? When you post a social media post of gratitude, is it, is it really for the person that we're grateful for or is it really for you? See, the thing, thing is, is with feelings and thoughts, feelings and thoughts don't thank people. <laughs> 
feelings and thoughts are your feelings and thoughts. And a lot of times the way it's communicated to the person that you are thankful for, and I have no doubt that you are thankful for that person, but the problem is, is you don't express that thankfulness. You, it's, it's unexpressed gratitude. And here's the thing about unexpressed gratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude. So we have to do a better job of communicating our gratitude. It is not good enough to just think grateful thoughts. It is not good enough to just appreciate people in our hearts. Because if, if we don't express it, unexpressed gratitude, the way it's experienced, the way it's felt by the people that we care about and we love and that we do need in our life, it's experienced as ingratitude. And gratitude and ingratitude, these are relationally determinative things. I mean, you know this in your, in your heart. You know this in your marriage. You know this at work. I mean, if you, if you express gratitude for your employees, if you experience gratitude for your boss, for your coworkers, I mean, people will follow you into just about any fire, won't they? I mean, if you, if you express gratitude to your spouse, gratitude to your kids, I mean, they will trust you. They will believe you. If, kids, if you want to wrap mom and dad around your finger, I'm telling you what, if you express gratitude to your parents, they will be just so much more willing to go with what you're wanting to go to. But ingratitude, ingratitude, it causes that gap. It causes people to feel underappreciated. It makes people think, I don't know if I want to work here anymore. I don't know if I want to be a part of this anymore because I, I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel valued. I feel invisible. I feel like nobody cares what I do. And so that ingratitude that people feel, whether it's real or not, but what people feel because of unexpressed gratitude, well, then it causes a divide. It causes trust issues. It causes people to hold themselves back because they don't know if you notice what they're already giving. Our hearts... Man, our hearts, they gravitate towards recognition and gratitude. It's such an important thing. We all want it. We've all experienced ingratitude. We've all experienced being unnoticed, underappreciated, undervalued. But every single one of us, whether you're a Christian or not, we gravitate towards recognition and gratitude. And, and this is an important and, okay? This is really, really, really important. And... At the end of the day, everyone is a volunteer. Remember that. Parents, your parents were volunteers. I know you go, no, you have to do that. You're my mom and my dad. No, they don't. They're volunteers. I'm a volunteer. You know what? Your boss is a volunteer. Your employees are volunteers. Your kids are even volunteers. Trust me, if they could run away, they would sometimes, all right? Every single one of us are volunteers. You can't look at anybody and go, well, why am I supposed to thank you? You're just doing your job. No, because everybody has the right and the freedom to quit that job at any point in time. And so we have to remember that at the end of the day, Everyone is a volunteer. So if we want people to stick around in our lives, if we want people to work with us, if we want people to give us their all and be all in, then we have to learn to express gratitude. Because when we don't, it's experienced as ingratitude. And ingratitude, it hurts. 
So to talk about this today, we're going to look at a story about Jesus. It's found in Luke, and it's, it's a story that I love to go to. And every time I read it, I just I, I feel like I need to you know, redo my, my gratitude wheel or something. Like I feel like I've got to go back and get even better at this because of what Jesus experienced. And so Luke, he recorded all this and wrote this all down. He heard about this uh, secondhand. Of, and so he, he writes us all these details down. So this is what it says in Luke. It says, now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, if you don't know anything about leprosy, it's like crazy COVID, all right? I mean, it's just, it's a terrible, very contagious disease. And so what they had to do to be able to deal with it is, I mean, it was like social distancing to the max, right? Like they took these leopards and I mean, they basically took their identity away from them. They literally took their possessions, their belongings, their identity, everything. And they said, this is no longer yours. You can't stay here. You can't work here. You can't be around your family and friends and you need to go outside the walls of the city. And so they would go outside the walls of the city and they would create their own colonies and their own communities of other people who had leprosy. And it was a terrible, terrible disease. Leprosy, it it destroyed nerves and people couldn't feel things. And you know how labor-intensive things were back there. So people were getting hurt all the time and they didn't even know it. So it was a very disgusting disease. And like I said, they were were distanced from people. And anytime someone came near them, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And and what's really, really interesting, and this is just kind of a side note, but I think it's very, very powerful, so I want to include it in today's message. What's really interesting is what we're going to learn at the end of this is that there were Jews and Samaritans that were all together. Jews and Samaritans were all together, which is weird because they were, I mean, enemies. I mean, this was like a race war thing. These two groups of people should not have been together. But what's so interesting, kind of an interesting note, is that pain, suffering, and alienation have a way of minimizing differences and maximizing what people have in common. Isn't that interesting? Just a side note, but I think pretty powerful. Because what happened was is these two, two different groups of people found one another in pain and in suffering and alienation, and they took care of one another. It's interesting when that happens. But anyway, they go to Jesus, and this is what it says. It says, They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They stood at a distance because, remember, they had leprosy, they were unclean, and they didn't want to freak Jesus out. But they heard some rumors about Jesus. And like many of us, they were curious. And so they go to Jesus, and they're very quick not to offend. They stand at a distance, and they call out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And what they were asking is, maybe, maybe, he'll have mercy on us. Maybe, just maybe, we could be healed of leprosy today. Maybe. They were curious. And so Jesus, he says this to the next. Jesus says, when he saw them, he said, go, which they had heard so many times because of how they were treated in this community, how they were treated in culture. They were told so many times, go, get out of here, stay away from me. You're sick. I don't want what you have. But Jesus' go was a little different. Jesus shouted out to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. Now, Jesus, what he does here, when he tells him to do this, this is amazing. Jesus is killing three birds with one stone. The Three things were going on here that are interesting and important to take note of. Why did he send him to the priest? Well, he sent him to the priest because that was the person who took your identity when you had leprosy. So what happened was, is when you got leprosy, the government seized all your assets and all your identity, 
And they said, hey, you know, if, some, if by some chance you were to get better or you're cured or something like that, then we will give, it, give you your identity, your property, your job, your house. We'll give you everything back. But you've got to go through the priest. The priest, like, was Fauci, okay? He had to clear you, all right? So you got to go see Fauci at the temple and go get cleared before you could get your identity back. So Jesus was planning on healing them, and so he was sending them to the priest so that they could get their life back. But the second thing was, is remember, there's 10 people here. And think about it. Think about if you're the priest at the temple, and all of a sudden, number one, one guy shows up, and he's healed of leprosy. You're like, huh, okay, well, that that rarely happens. That's interesting. But think about if 10 men all showed up at the same time. And they all got cured from the same place. I mean, if we heard that, you know, all of a sudden 10 people, you know, were, were sick, and then they showed up here, and they're like, we're all cured, we're all cured of cancer, or whatever it was, and they showed up here, and like, well, where did you guys come from? I mean, it would create a stir, it would create a story. And that's what Jesus wanted. Jesus was performing a miracle in such a way that it would create a stir in the community. It would create gossip. How did this happen? Who did they see? Who healed them? How could this even be possible? And it would add to Jesus. Jesus' reputation. But the third thing, and probably the most important thing, is he was asking them to go before they received God's blessing. He was asking them to take a leap of faith and to go not knowing what exactly was going to happen. And that required faith on their part because many times they had been told to go. And it could have been, they probably had a tempting thought, maybe Jesus is tricking us. Maybe he's not really going to heal us. He just doesn't want to deal with us. So he's telling us, go and, and go that way. And yeah, 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 it'll get, it'll get better as you walk. Maybe he's duping us. And so it required faith and trust in Jesus for them to go. And so this is what it tells us next. It says, so when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went... They were cleansed. So all 10 of them, all 10 of them put their faith in Jesus, trusted that what Jesus said was going to happen, and they left. And as they began to leave and as they started to go towards the priest, they were healed. And you know what happened in that moment? What happened was is they, they responded to the promise of Jesus before they knew the outcome. That is faith. They literally, this is where we get the expression, walk by faith. They literally walked by faith because they responded to the promise of Jesus knowing no idea if it was going to benefit them, knowing, having no idea if things were going to end up how they wanted them to end up, but they trusted in Jesus and they went anyway and they received this blessing from God. So then, as they're, as, they're, as they're cleaned, as they're healed, I mean, they're starting to walk, and their bodies are starting to change, and they're going, oh, my goodness, it worked. And so I bet they went from walking, like a maybe a, you know, like a slow walk, like I don't know what's going to happen, walk to just, you know, okay, we're, we're going. Like, we got our lives back, baby. woohoo! So they just start running, running for the temple, running to see Fauci, the temple priest. I love that. I totally made that up, by the way, just in, in the middle of this. They started running to Fauci, and they're like, we're coming, woo! we're going to get our life back. But one of them, Luke says, one of them turned around. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back. Now think about that. Think about how powerful that is. I mean, he just realized, all 10 of them just realized, I'm going to get my job back. 
I'm going to get my family back. I'm going to get my life back. I can go home. I can be a member of society. I can be with my friends. I can get my finances back. I just went from living in this colony of sick people just trying to make it, not being able to feel parts of my body, to having everything back. I'm so excited. I mean, think about how much it would take you to turn around and go, not yet. Just a minute. I I need to do something first. Think about what that would take in you. Would you be able to do that? Or would you go, well, I'll go see Jesus, but first, I got to go kiss my wife. (laughs) Or I'll go see Jesus, but I want to go check on my kids. Or I want to go see if my bed's still there. Or I want to make sure I still have my job. I mean, what would it take for you to turn around and go back to Jesus first? And that's what he did. And it says he went back and he was praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He went back. He went back and he expressed his gratitude. He went back and he thanked the one who enabled him to move forward. And what's an interesting note, and I think when Luke wrote this down, this is one of those reasons where I'm like, man, the Bible, the Bible is not just made up. It's such, a, it's such a well-written historical document because there's so many details there that, like, why would you write it unless you needed to tell a beautiful, beautiful story that would make people go, what? Luke goes, and he, he was a Samaritan. I mean, think about that for a minute. Jesus was a Jew, and many of the men who were there were also Jewish. And they all knew the Jewish prophecy of who Jesus was supposed to be. Jesus was like this this legend, this hero. But he was nothing to the Samaritan man. To the Samaritan man, he was just this guy who had some pretty cool powers. And who came back? The Jews? The Jews who already knew the legend, who already knew the prophecy. And when it became real, should have gone, oh my goodness, we were just in front of God on earth. But no, not them. Who? The Samaritan. Hmm. It's weird. And you know what's really interesting is that that man went back. And again, I'm sure the nine others, I'm sure that whenever they understood what was happening to them, they said, oh, thank God. But what did they do? They continued on anyway. I mean, they thanked Jesus in their heart. They thanked God in their mind. But only one, only one turned around to do it in person. And Jesus meets the man. The man is praising Jesus. And this is what it says. Jesus asked a question. We're not all ten cleansed? Where, where are the other nine? In the Greek, remember how last week I talked to you about, you know, the, the, the original letters that are written here and documents that are written here in the New Testament, they're written in Greek. If you took the Greek and did a word-for-word English translation, here's what it would actually say. Jesus said, the nine, Where? Jesus was so glad to see one, but he was concerned. Where are the others? Where were they? Were they, were they not healed? Did something go wrong? The nine. The nine Jews. The nine. Where? Were one of you only healed? See, this is such an important note, and I want you to, to remember this. This is so, so powerful. It's something that you've got to grab hold of if you've committed your life to following Christ. If you're, if you're not a Christian, this is not for you. But we all understand that you know, unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude for each of us. But here's the important note for us as Christians. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingrat- ingratitude even to God. 
See, I think a lot of times God does things for us as well. And, and gratitude, it's, it's almost like there's a creator or a designer who, who put it in our DNA to seek gratefulness, but also with the ability to express it. And we're made in God's image, and so it's natural to, to think and to be able to say that God likes to experience gratitude as well. God loves to be appreciated. God loves to be loved. God loves to be noticed, and God loves to be valued. And there's so many times that, that, that we as Christians, we as Christians forget to thank God. Or we think because Jesus knows our thoughts and our minds that it's enough to, to just thank God in our head. Or, or to, just, to just do a good social media post. I'm so thankful. Thank God for my family. But in reality, I think that, that so many times uh, when we, when, when some of us are thankful for God in our hearts, Jesus is waiting for you to, to show up and worship him. It's always interesting to me that sometimes big events will, will happen in our lives and the last place we end up being is at church. I mean, even sometimes, I mean, I mean, really, honestly, if I were to be honest with you, if we were all wanting to do this correctly, Christmas Day, we would have a church service, and the beginning of the day would begin with a service, if we were really serious about showing our gratefulness to God. I mean, isn't that what Christmas is all about? But we would never do that, because none of you would ever show up, <laughs> because you have things to do. You have family that you need to be with. You have presents to open. And, I mean, maybe I'm going a little extreme, but think about it. If we were really grateful for, for Jesus, really grateful for God, where would we be on Christmas Day? Or what would we do first when it came to being with our friends and our family on Christmas? I don't know. But what's going on here is that th these nine didn't show up. And, and I think Jesus knew. I mean, Jesus goes, the nine, where? And Jesus knew that that was the opportunity, that was the moment for, for, Jesus, for them to come and to thank Jesus. Jesus knew. He's like, if they didn't show up now, I'm never going to see him again. Again, I'm sure those men, I'm sure they, they were probably thankful in their heart. They were probably thankful. They probably said, thank God. And they were running to that priest like, okay, we should really go thank Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. But let's go to Fauci first and like get all of our stuff back and make sure everything's good and just take a break. Maybe go sleep in our bed. Oh, goodness, it's going to be so nice to sleep in our bed. And then we'll go find Jesus maybe like tomorrow. Tomorrow's probably not going to be good for me. Okay, well, maybe like next week. Well, then we'll go find Jesus and then we'll thank him. But Jesus knew if they didn't thank him right then, they weren't going to thank him at all. They weren't going to be able to find him. And see, and this is something that you know and I know, right? There's, there's a timing element to gratitude, isn't there? There's a window of opportunity. There's a, there's a timing element to gratitude. And if you miss it, if you miss it, it leaves an impression. My dad is a pastor in Tulsa. He's, uh, he, he started the church that this church came out of. He planted a church 21 years ago in, in O'Fallon, New Life Church. Many of you were part of that church. Many of you, my dad was, was your pastor. And, you know, my dad, he pastored that church for 15 years, and then he decided that it was time for him to go. And he started to look, and he started to send his resume out, and he ended up in, in Topeka, Kansas, and he was there for five and a half years, and now he's in Tulsa. 
But it's interesting, I was, I was, obviously, we were just starting this plant church. We were a couple years in when that happened. And I was on staff with my dad, as, as well was Mona. And I remember when my dad, after he started to look, he told, he told us that, you know, he was going to start looking. He was going to put his resume out there. And then after he left, I, I asked my dad a question. I said, Dad, when did you know it was time to go? Like, when did you know that... You know, I mean, you, you, you built this church. You started this church. This was your baby. This was so much of our lives. I mean, 15 years you were the pastor, and now you decided that it was time to, to walk away and to go somewhere else, and it was so, so hard for him, so very hard for them. I mean, at times I'm like, why are you even do this? It doesn't seem like you want to. I mean, he, he agonized over leaving New Life Church. And I think still today, he agonizes. I think so much so, he wishes he could have stayed, wishes he could still be there. And so I asked my dad, I said, Dad, when you decided to leave, why did you decide to leave? How did you know it was time? And he said, you remember our 15th anniversary? I said, yeah, I remember. We we went to the the Quail Ridge Park in Winsville. Our campus and O'Fallon's campus, we all came together. We had a big service outside. Some of you were there. Some of you remember that. We had this big service in the park. And man, it was, a, it was a big celebration. It was a huge milestone for us. 15 years, two campuses, an awesome church, so many people saved. We spent so many time telling stories and, and talking about how people, you know, giving their life to God and stuff. He said there was a point in time we had, a, we had our worship service, and then I got up. I got up to pray. And I thought, when I got up to pray, I thought, this is, you know, after I pray, my dad's going to come up and, and, and speak. And my dad, he's been this pastor for 15 years. Most pastors, by the way, on average now, they stay at a church for three years. So 15 years, this was a huge, huge deal. And I mean, and he started the church. He put his money, his life, his blood, his family into this. I mean, we really, I mean, thank God, but also thank you, Brian Davis. And so I thought, I'm going to pray, and then before my dad comes up, I'm going to introduce my dad. And so I prayed and I said, you know, I said, man, I said, it's so awesome that all of you guys are here. And man, you know what? I am so thankful for my dad. I'm so thankful for our pastor, you know, for giving up, for sacrificing so much and giving this. So as he comes up to preach, would you guys just put your hands together for, for our pastor, Brian Davis? And my dad said, you remember that moment? I said, yeah, I remember that moment. He said, you remember how it was just a golf clap? how it was quiet, how everybody was in their lazy boy chairs, plopped down and on their phones, or nobody stood up, no nothing, how it was just kind of, I don't know, just disappointing. I said, yeah, I said, I remember that. It kind of stood out to me too, but, I, you know, he said, that was the moment. That, that was the moment I knew they didn't want me to be their pastor anymore. He said, I had already had so many doubts the devil was just attacking me so much, telling me I, I didn't have what it takes, that I was done, that I was washed up, that I was too old, that, that, that my words were, were falling on deaf ears. He said, I thought it so much, and I had so many tempting thoughts, and I kept praying about it and going, no, 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 that's not true. Those are lies from Satan. That's not true. They love me. They want me here. I'm valued here. I'm appreciated here. They're thankful for me. And he said, and then that was their moment. And he said, it could have killed me. He said, Michael, I never wanted to leave that church. But it just felt like they didn't want me anymore. And I felt like I had to go. See, I've never told that story to anybody. My dad's never told that story either to anybody. There's a timing element to gratitude. 
And if you don't take your opportunities, it leaves an impression, guys. And again, no one doubts that you feel it in your heart, that you think it in your mind, or that you tell it to other people. But unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude. And so Jesus, this was their moment. This was their opportunity. And only one of them, one of them came back. And Jesus, he says this. He says, has no one returned to give praise except for this foreigner? He goes, of all the people, of all the people who should have been here, you're the one that I would have thought, you know, no way this guy's going to show up. He doesn't know who I am. He's never heard the legend. He doesn't even know. He There's no way. But of all people, the foreigner is the one that shows up. And you know, it's something I found in church culture. It's usually the outsiders that are the most appreciative. It's usually the outsiders that are the most grateful and who are the best at expressing it. It's the insiders. It's the people that should be the best at showing gratitude that are usually the worst. So Jesus says to him, he says, rise up, rise up and go. Your faith, your faith has made you well. Three things I I want you to to give you to to go home with and and to talk about as well. Three just quick, quick hard-hitting points to wrap this up. And the first one is this. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Look, if you want the people in your life that you love most to stay in your life, you need to learn to express gratitude. It's not enough to think it, and it's not enough to feel it. The gratitude, the gratitude that we feel but don't express is felt by the other person as the opposite of how we actually feel. We have to make sure that we close the loop. And we have to make sure that we take the opportunity that the timing is right. Because if we don't do it soon enough, it's, it's experienced as ingratitude for the other person. And the second thing is this. Ingratitude, ingratitude, it feels like rejection. And you know this because you've felt it. You've had that job. You've been in that family. You've been in that relationship where you felt like you were not appreciated where gratitude was not expressed to you. And in that ingratitude, what did it feel like? It felt like rejection. It felt like they didn't want you there. And here's the thing. If you make people feel like that, if you make people feel like you don't want them there, then guess what they'll do? They won't be there. If you want someone's heart, express gratitude. If they want you to if you want them to follow you into the fire, if you want them to work hard for you, if you want them to be all in and trust you and not hold anything back from you, express gratitude. And the third thing is this. Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. Isn't it true? You know this. Arrogance and and ingratitude are usually found underneath the same rock, aren't they? See, some of us, we look at, ingra- we look at gratitude as weakness. I, I don't need to admit that I need anybody. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I don't need anybody to help me. But, but the truth is, the truth is, is that none of us would be where we are without other people's help. In the rearview mirror, in the rearview mirror of your life are dozens of people who facilitated your success. 
And sometimes we think, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. But that is a lie. The truth is, is that you do. In the rearview mirror are tons of people who helped you get where you are. And we need to all stop. And we need to thank those people. We need to acknowledge somebody else. We need to acknowledge them. And here's the thing. Acknowledging someone's role in your life is not weakness. It's a sign of maturity. Expressing gratitude for somebody else, telling somebody how they helped you move forward, how you wouldn't be where you are without them, that's maturity. And that's something Christ wants us to express to one another. That's something God wants us to express to him. So here's my last question for you today. Who's helped you move forward? Think about it for just a minute. Who has helped you move forward in your life? Maybe it was somebody in your past. Maybe it was somebody 10 years ago, five years ago. Maybe it was a a pastor who was your pastor for 15 years. And you thought, they're not going anywhere. They know how I feel. No, they don't. They don't know how you feel. Maybe it's your spouse who you've been married to for 20 years. And you think, they're not going anywhere. They know how much I love them. They know how grateful I am. Do they, though? Do they feel that? Or your kids? I mean, you're like, my kids definitely aren't going anywhere. They need me. They don't even have a job. They're not going anywhere, but... Sometimes even your kids need to hear how thankful you are of them, how grateful you are, how much you appreciate them. They need to know that you see them, that they're of value to this family. It might be good to show your gratitude for your kids. Or maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's just saying to them, hey, guys, I would just want to recognize that I, I would not be where I am without you. And if there's any part of you inside that goes, yes, I would. <laughs> Actually, I'd be better without them. That is a hint of arrogance in your heart. And you might want to do some digging around and wonder where that came from and what that is. Because that might be something God wants to do in you. In every single one of our rearview mirrors of life are people who have helped us get where we are today. This is an awesome time, an awesome opportunity to express that to somebody. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Don't wait till Thanksgiving Day when you're around your family and everybody says what you're thankful for to say. I want to challenge you this week to send a text, to write a letter, to send an email, to make a phone call, to get lunch with somebody. With the only motive being that you want to thank them. Thank them for the part that they've played in your life. To let them know, because there may not be any other opportunity to, to know that you see them, that you value them, that you appreciate them. And when it comes to your relationship with God, don't just thank God in your heart. Don't just think that a thank God or a prayer is good enough. Because for many of us, Jesus is back where he blessed us going I'm waiting for your return 
waiting for your gratitude. Where are you? Will you be the one? Will you be the one that comes back and falls at Jesus' feet and praises his name for what he has done?